Thank you so much. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 16. And in just a moment, we'll be in verse 10 and following. Luke chapter 16. And again, we'll begin in reading in verse 10 momentarily. When I was a younger preacher, one of my heroes as a pastor was a man named John Bassanio. Dr. Bassanio was pastor for over 30 years at First Baptist Houston. When Don and I got married back in 1980, we moved to Dallas-Fort Worth, and we heard of this man that was really preaching and doing a great job there in Houston. And I had the opportunity to interview him one-on-one. I took a seminar in my Ph.D. program on contemporary preachers, and at that time, He was one of the greatest preachers in the Southern Baptist Convention. He and Dr. Rogers were very good friends, and uh, so I got to interview him. And as we were talking, he brought up something that I'd never really thought about. He said, have you ever noticed how many references there are to finances in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Now, that was just, to me, out of left field. No, I'd never noticed how many financial references there are in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you don't know where that is, it's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And he said, oh, there are are just a multitude of them. And he started rattling them off. He just started telling me all the things that Jesus said about money in the Sermon on the Mount. And I said, well, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. He said, in fact, that's what I'm preaching this Sunday. But I've changed the title to the Sermon on the Amount. You know what happened? He preached that Sunday. 17 people got saved. And he was preaching on finances. Because when you're preaching on finances, you're not preaching about finances. You're preaching about God and your heart. I want to say this to you. One of the ways that we know what is in a person's heart is by looking at their finances. You say, what are you talking about? Well, what Jesus said. Jesus said, where your treasure is, talking about money, there will your what be? Heart. Jesus also says... That out of your heart doth your mouth speak. I've had people tell me for years, you don't know what's in my heart. Well, sure I do. Let me see how you spend the money that God gives you, and I'll find out what's in your heart. Let me hear you talk for a while, and you will betray yourself. I'll know what's in your heart by what comes out of your mouth and how you use what comes out of your wallet. Now, that's what Jesus said, not what Steve Gaines said. Now, I want to preface everything I say today. Donna told me, she said, Steve, when you're talking about money, be sweet. (laughs) Smile a lot. So here it is. Be real gentle because people have a hard time hearing about finances. And we do, don't we? We don't like somebody telling us 
what to do with our finances. Even if it's the government, we don't, especially if it's the government, we don't like anybody telling us what to do with our hard-earned money. Well, Jesus had a lot to say about money. And I want you to see, not the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Amount, I want you to see what he said in Luke 16, verse 10 and following. Some of the most powerful words of Scripture regarding finances, and it came out of the lips of Jesus Christ. Luke 16, 10, he who is faithful in a very little thing, say a very little thing with me, a very little thing. Now look at me real quick before we go on. What is the very little thing? You ready? Money. Money. Jesus refers to it as a very little thing. You'll see it contextually as we continue. He who is faithful with money or a very little thing is faithful also in much. He who is unrighteous in a very little thing, that is, you don't do right with money, is also unrighteous in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, there he's obvious he's talking about money. Who will entrust the true riches to you, spiritual riches? If you won't handle materialistic things right, why should God give you spiritual blessings? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, now God says, your money doesn't belong to you. Your money is not yours. It belongs to another. Your possessions are not possessed primarily by you. Everything you have, God gave you. It belongs to God. This is getting deep. If you are not faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You said, Brother Steve, can you stop? No. Look, I'm smiling. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot. Everybody say cannot. He didn't say you may not. He didn't say you should not. He said you cannot serve God and money, wealth, mammon, whatever you want to call it. Can't do it. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of what? Say it out loud. Money. Now, we know he's talking about money. We're listening to all these things and we're scoffing at him. Ha! What does that preacher know about money? He's up there talking about money. He's just trying to get somebody to give him some money. How many of you know that Jesus did not need their money? Amen? They were scoffing at him. They were making fun of him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men. You try to look good in front of men. Oh, that's all you care about. You just care about what other people think about you. But God knows your what? Hearts. For that which is highly esteemed 
among men, talking about money, is detestable in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let me give you four things about being financially faithful. When you're financially faithful, first of all, God rewards you proportionately. Somewhere along the way as a Christian, you need to learn the concept of sowing seed. You will reap whatever kind of seed you sow. If you sow good seed, you'll reap a good harvest. If you sow bad seed, you will reap a bad harvest. And watch this. If you sow more seed, you'll get a bigger harvest. If you sow less seed, you'll get a smaller harvest. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Say that with me. The law of sowing and reaping. That's what's in here. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. God rewards you proportionately. If you're faithful in a very little thing, if you're faithful in the way you handle money, then you'll be faithful in spiritual matters as well. That which is much. Now think about it. If you start off as a child reading the Bible and you develop a discipline to read Scripture, don't you think that when you become a teenager and you go off to college and then you get married, and all, don't you think it's just a little bit easier to read the Bible a little bit down the road? Now, I didn't start reading the Bible until I was 18 years old. I'm 62 years old. I've been reading the Bible 44 years. And the more I read it, the more I want to read it. I can't wait as soon as I finish it to read it again. But I want to say this to you. I wish I had read the Bible as a child. It would have kept me out of a lot of trouble. When you do something, though, in a faithful way when you're younger, it just seems like you're more faithful down the road. Let me ask you this, don't you think that if you tithe, when you first get married, you first got that job, you don't have a lot of money, if you tithe on that small paycheck, don't you think it's a little easier if you get a raise down the road somewhere to continue to tithe when you make more money? Don't you think that's right? Sure. That's the way it works. So when you're faithful in the lesser matters, God will make you faithful in matters of greater significance. I remember my first pastorate in Texas. I started pastoring when I was 25 years old. Grant was one month old when I became a pastor. And I remember we started seeing a lot of people get saved at this church in Texas and we didn't have enough room in the sanctuary, and so we went to two services. And we ran out of education space for our Sunday school classes. We were trying to have two, Sunday school, two different Sunday school times, and people were just running into each other. Nursery was full. We needed more room. So we went into a building program. And how many of you have ever been at a church in a building program? Anybody out there? All right. Well, we did that. And 
We had these people come in from the Baptist General Convention of Texas, and they were going to help us in a three-year fundraiser, and we were going to make three-year commitments. For, we're going to make commitments for 36 months above our tithes and offerings to give to the building. And I got up, and I said, everybody pray about it. Don and I are going to pray about it. Make sure everybody, if you're married, that you're in harmony with one another, and whatever you pledge, we'll use it to pay off the debt, and we'll go forward. Great idea. We go home. I want to say this to you. We were making hardly any money at all. I'm talking about when we paid our tithe and paid our house, we had very little money to make it to the next paycheck. We had more month than paycheck, all right? We would go out to eat once or twice a month, and when we did, we'd go to some little low-level hamburger joint, and I'd say to Donna, I'm just going to have a small hamburger. What are you just going to have? <laughs> Does anybody remember those days? All right, yeah. Somebody said, I'm there, Brother Steve. I'm there. Okay. Praise God. Been there, done that. Was there for a while. So we go in, we say, Lord, we're already tithing to the budget. What do you want us to give over three years? I'm going to tell you what he told me to give. $6,000. $6,000. I did not hear right. That was that hamburger that I ate. That was not God. I go to Donna, what do you think we should give? She said, $6,000. Then I knew it was God. I want to tell you something. I live with, Grant thought Donna was the Holy Spirit when we were young. One night he was praying, he was two years old. He said, God, I thank you for God. I thank you for Jesus and I thank you for mom. <laughs> I said, baby, you just replaced the Holy Ghost right there. Amen. I said, okay, 6000 I put it on the card. I turned it in. What are we going to do? And we had one baby, pretty soon had another one on the way. I said, all right, Lord, would you give me just a clue how this is going to happen? How many of you know that God does numbers? Anybody know that? He said, just give $100 extra every month. You get two paychecks, $50 a check paycheck. I said, all right. Last time I checked, that, that's just $3,600 over three years. Where's the other $2,400 going to come from? Clear as a bell. The Lord said, this church, if you'll look on your job description, they give you the option of preaching two revivals every year. I said, Lord, I don't have any revivals. He said, I'm fully aware of what you do and don't have. Now, we're just having this little conversation, you know. I said, think you can get me some revivals out there? <laughs> you know, and I don't want to just do them for money. I want, to, I want people to get saved. He said, I got it. He said, do two a year. You're going to need $400 every time you do a love, uh, have a love offering. Over two a year, three years, six revivals times 400, that's your $2,400 I will come through for you. I had no revivals. Nobody knew who I was. Nothing. 
I was just this little 25-year-old guy with a baby and soon to have one on the way, not making any money, wondering how I'm going to come up with six grand in three years. No money. Phone rang a week later. I know you think I'm just saying this. Go back and talk to Donna. She'll give the same thing. She could pick it up right here and tell it better than me. You Steve Gaines? Yes, sir. I'm so-and-so at such church. Would you come? I said, yes. <laughs> you didn't have to tell me what it was. Man, I don't care what it is. Yes, sir, I'll come. And I'm looking you right in the eye and telling you that over the next three years, God gave us the rest of the $2,400 to pay that off. And you say, Brother Steve, why are you going in such detail with us? I just like to tell it to brag on God. Amen? I want to tell you something. God will lay things on your heart to stretch you. That stretched my faith. I needed that. Because there's been other times in life when I got sick, Donna got sick, Grant got sick, and we were looking at some really bad news possibly, and God brought us through. Amen? There's just some times that God stretches your faith because He knows you're going to need it down the road. And when you are faithful to God financially, God will reward you proportionately. I could go on about that all day, but I won't. Number two, when you're faithful financially, God rewards you spiritually. Look at verse 11. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? What we're after is not more money. What we're after are the true riches. What we really want is the manifest presence of God. What we really want is for God to answer our prayers. What we really want is for God to pour out those heavenly true blessings that come from Almighty God. We want our children to get saved. We want our marriages to be something that honors God. We want to be walking with the Lord. We're wanting true riches. We don't want just money and all that. We want to eat and we want to have enough to pay our bills, but we really want spiritual blessings. That's what we're looking for. God says, you be faithful in your finances and I'll start giving you true riches. That's what he says. Now, if you're not faithful, why should he give you true riches? If you're healthy, but you're too lazy to work, why should God give you true riches? If you do earn a paycheck, but you refuse to tithe to your church, and put God to the test on that, why should he entrust you with true riches? If he can't trust you to do right in your wallet, why should he trust you with true riches? If you refuse to live on a budget and you constantly blow money, buy things you don't need, why should God entrust you with true riches, spiritual riches? If you never save for the future needs, even if it's 5 or $10 a paycheck, you never even think about that, and you show up, and lo and behold, there's the need. Well, I'll just put it on a credit card. If you trust in credit more than you trust in Christ, why should God give you the true riches? 
If you never help a poor person, you never give to a poor person and do it anonymously so you don't get any credit for it. But it goes all to God. If you never do something like that, if you never help somebody out, why should God? If you don't do right, why should God do right by you? If you don't do right with the money that he lends you, and that's what it is, it's a loan. You don't own it. Why should he give you true riches? My mother went to be with the Lord 15 years ago today. About an hour ago, 15 years ago. My wife was holding my mother's hand. I want to say this to you. All of you married ladies out there. You need to be kind to your husband's parents. You don't need to be mean. You don't need to be selfish. You need to be very kind. If you want to love your husband, love his mother and his father. You know, amen should have been right there. Don't you be selfish. Don't you put a wedge between your husband and his parents. My wife when we would come home, when she would come home and I couldn't come home from Texas, she would spend exactly the same days with my mom and dad as she did her mom and dad. I got a great wife. My wife was holding my mother's hand when she died. My mother was the greatest giver I've ever known. My mother had nothing, nothing when she was growing up. She worked at a cotton gin. She could pick more cotton than anybody in Lauderdale County. That's Ripley, Tennessee. She was a hard-working, blonde-headed girl. She had to quit school like my daddy had to quit school because of the Great Depression. They were poor. My daddy had dirt floor, two, two rooms of dirt floors in his, room, in his house. And my mother worked hard. And when my brother... My brother was so smart, he made the highest score on the ACT exam in Dyersburg High School history. He made so high that when I took it, my mother thought I failed it. <laughs> I said, Mom, I don't think you can fail it. I got a scholarship anyway. I'm going to play football. She said, I think you failed it. But he wanted to go to Southwestern in Memphis. That's Rhodes College now, and it was expensive. We didn't have any money. And she started a janitorial service that she had for 30 years. I remember taking those mop buckets in, people looking down at me when I was young, and my daddy saying, Don't worry, boy, you're making a good, good living. Don't worry about it. My mother helped put us through school. When she died, and we were there at the visitation. I should just get Donna to come up there and tell you. It, 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 it was after a while, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even believe it. You know what people said when we came by? Your mother helped me, and they'd tell something that she gave to them. I'll give you a few examples. I couldn't go to school. 
I didn't have any money. I worked for your mom in the cleaning business. She paid my tuition at Dyersburg State. Our house burned. We didn't have any insurance. Your mother bought all of our furniture plus a brand new washing machine. And businessman after businessman that had worked for her as a young boy came by and said, your mother taught me how to work. Several of them came through and said, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a truck. I didn't have any transportation. Your mother co-signed with me so I could get a loan. I didn't have any credit. Now, don't go tell Dave Ramsey what my mom did. He doesn't like all that co-signing stuff, all right? But time after time after time after time, a lady came through. She was a, a nurse or a nurse's aide, whatever, and she said, I was working two, two jobs, and your mother bought all of my daughter's clothes when she was going all the way through school. I mean, it was, it was, it was breathtaking. Now, I want to ask you a question. A little country girl with an 11th grade education, do you think when she met Jesus right about now, 10 years ago, do you think she regretted what she gave away? I'm asking you a question. Do you think she regretted what she gave away? No. I pray that we'll just ask God to give us a giving spirit. A giving spirit. Because when you give, God rewards you spiritually. Malachi 3.10, listen to it all the way through. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, God says. And test me now in this. Only time God says, test me. Test me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven, that's spiritual blessings, and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And I really want to encourage you, find somebody that's got less than you. Find somebody that's lost their job. Find some poor family that needs some help. Find somebody, and you, all you got to do is say, God, where are they? And I'm telling you, within no time, God will show you somebody. And you start helping poor people. Proverbs 19, 17 says, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord. And he will repay you. When you're faithful to God financially, he rewards you spiritually. When you're faithful financially, God rewards you individually. He, he knows exactly the way to bless you individually. Look at verse 12. And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? How many of you ever had something that you wanted, but you couldn't afford it, and you really wanted it, not just selfishly, you wanted it to be a blessing to other people? Anybody out there? Just one or two of you? Okay. I'll go talk to Don. I'll see y'all. Bye. I'm moving over here. <laughs> Baby, have you ever had anything you wanted and it was a blessing? Okay. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Let me ask y'all again. Have you ever had something that you wanted so that you could bless other people with it? Anybody out there? Thank you very much. All right. Now we can go on. I'm smiling. <laughs> I know it's tense. What he's saying here is this. Everything you have, I gave it to you. Now, I can hear some of y'all out there saying, now, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. I've worked hard. 
Who allowed you to breathe their air while you were working? God. Who kept the blood flowing in your veins? God. Who gave you your right mind every day? God. Who gave you the sense to do the right thing at the work? God. Who do you think opened the door for you to have that job? God. Who was it that gave you food to eat, clothes to wear, and a roof over your head? God. God. I'm coming. Everything you've got is God's. Clothes on your back, God gave them to you or gave you the way to get them. We ought to get down on our face and thank God for being our provider. Can we just praise him right now for being our provider? Can we do that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You better be glad he does give to you and he will give to you individually. I'm telling you, God knows how to give to you in a way that will just bless your heart. When we got married, we lived right on a lake, Lake Louisville. It was huge. Everything's big in Texas. And Donna grew up water skiing and I wanted to go water skiing. I'd been a little bit and so I borrowed, I didn't have a boat, but I borrowed one of our deacon's boat. He was the president of Mohawk Carpets. And buddy, he had a boat. It was a sure enough boat. Best boat I ever seen. So I said, Roger, can I borrow your boat? Sure. Here's the keys. So we go out into Lake Louisville. We sk skied all day long. You know, in the middle of the summer, sun doesn't set until about 8.30 in Texas. It's nice. And so we were out there. We skied. We skied. We skied. We had fun. We had another couple there with us. We laughed. We cut up. The kids had fun. So I'm driving in. I said, one of these days, I sure want a boat. And all of a sudden, I, the whole thing starts shaking. I'd gone through some shallow water. I hit the gravel. And I knew what that prop had done. It was driving weird going in. I got it up on the, tore the prop. If you don't know what, it's a propeller. And there was a big chunk out of it, all right? How many of you know what a chunk is? All right, good. I ran through the shallow water and tore it up. And when you tear something up that's borrowed, guess what? You got to pay for it. So I go to Roger. Thank you. For your boat. Bye. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. <laughs> I said, Roger, I tore up your propeller. He said, well, now if you borrow something, I said, I know. If you borrow it, you tear it up, you pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. You know how much that propeller was? $300. That's a lot of money. Especially when you don't make any money. And so I paid for that. And I never wanted a lake house, but I did always want a boat. Even after I paid for that propeller, I wanted a boat. Years later, Mr. Dodds, Donna's daddy, was selling his old boat. She had skied behind that boat many times. And I didn't have a lot of money, but I had just a little bit enough 
maybe to buy that used boat. And I bought that boat, and I remember bringing it home. And I thought, you remember, I remember, Lord, I remember back when I couldn't even hardly pay for a propeller, and now you gave me a whole boat. Now, why do I tell you that? Just to tell you all about my life? No, I believe that God knows how to bless you individually. Because I wanted a boat, not to say I could have a boat. I wanted a boat because I had four small children that on my day off, I wanted to take them to the lake, get them away from everybody else, and just make some memories. And I want to say this to you, to this day, to this day, we talk about the days that we spent together as a family, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and pulling behind tubes and everything else, and water skiing. All of my kids know how to water ski. They don't just do all these surfboard things. That's great, but can you water ski? God blessed me individually, I believe, because I did the right thing by paying that guy's motor off, propeller off. God will reward you individually if you'll be financially faithful. Last thing I'm going to tell you is this, and I'll just be through. When you're financially faithful, God will reward you divinely. Look very quickly at verse 13. No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold one, be devoted to one, and despise the other. You cannot, not you should not, you cannot serve God and money. God says, I'm your master. You'll have no other rival. You can't serve me and wealth. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things, and they were scoffing him. They were making fun of him. And he said to them, you are those. You justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your heart. How many of you know that God knows everything that's in your heart right now? Does anybody know that? He sure does. He knows if you like this sermon or if you don't. He knows if you're letting yourself take an offense to what I'm saying or if you're listening to what God is trying to say. He knows. He knows your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men Oh, men just want more money, more money, more money, more things is detestable. That attitude of having to have more all the time is detestable in the sight of God. It is revolting. It is an abomination to God. God is much more concerned about lost people going to hell than he is about you being rich. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, don't store up for yourselves, for yourselves is the key there. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Nothing wrong with saving for future needs, but don't just be greedy. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Use that wealth, use that financial mammon for spiritual purposes. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, wherever your value is, wherever you, whatever you think about the most, whatever you are zeroed in on, whatever you give your life to, whatever 
treasure whatever you really think is the most important thing in life. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Is your heart really with Jesus first? Or does He come after all these other things? How many of you know that earthly wealth can be gone just like that? Does anybody know that out there? Proverbs 23, 5. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. For it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. And all God's people said, Amen. Nothing wrong with wanting to feed your family. Nothing wrong wanting to have a decent house. Nothing wrong with wanting to put clothes on your kid's back. Nothing wrong with that at all. But you got to be careful with money. The reason Jesus talks so much about money is because he knew it's so seductive and that it will pull at your heart and you can't serve him and money at the same time. Can't do it can't do it. Many of you are very good to be faithful to your wife, even in your thought life. But some of you men out there, truth be told, you don't lust for women, but you do lust for money. You got to be careful. You got to be careful about the harlot of mammon. Money's not evil, but the love of money is. 1 Timothy 6, 7 through 11, Paul speaking to Timothy said, For we have brought nothing into this world. We can't take anything out of it either. Dr. Rogers say most people die in a borrowed bed. That's a hospital. Wearing borrowed clothes. That's a hospital gown. He said, well, that's just blessed my heart, Brother Steve. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Smiling. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Everybody say the word content. There's where you need to live. Next time you think God hadn't been good to you, start thanking Him for what He's done, and you'll realize real quick God has been good to you. God has been good to you. Amen. Either praise Him or do something. Amen. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. That's a trap. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money. There it is. Not money, but I can take money and support a missionary. Money is not Moral or immoral, it is amoral. It's just right there neutral. It can be used for bad things. It can be used for good things. I can help somebody out. I can feed somebody today that's hungry with some money. I can do, I can support a missionary. I can give, I can do things. I can pay off a debt. I can do things with money that are good. Money's not the problem. It's the love of money that's the problem. Never being satisfied. The love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by lusting or longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, 
perseverance and gentleness. God rewards you divinely. He's going to give you heavenly treasure. When you get to heaven, you're going to see what you gave away on earth, not what you grasped. It's time for some of y'all to start sending stuff up above. Let's all stand up, please. I want us to read two verses. This love offering, look, you pray about it. If you don't want to give to it, you don't feel led to give to it, great, fine. If you do feel led to give to it, do what God tells you to do. I'll just give you four things on giving very quickly. You don't have to write these down. Give proportionately. By that, I mean think about giving every time you get it. Can we put that on the, yeah, on the screen real quick? Give proportionately. They've got prayerfully. Do that too. Okay. Spiritually, individually. Oh, wait a minute. I'm reading the wrong thing. Okay. It's my fault. Guys, I am so sorry. I apologize to you. Please forgive me. I was reading the wrong thing. Okay. Give prayerfully. Thank you. They're up there laughing, I hope. Ask God to tell you how much to give. Give obediently, whatever God says. How many of you believe that if God tells you to give something, He'll give you the wherewithal to give it? Amen? Just do it. Just do what God says. Systematically, it might be weekly, bi-monthly, monthly, however God tells you, and then give expectantly. He will meet your needs. Now, I want us to read two verses, one by Jesus, one quote by Jesus, and one by Paul, and I'll pray and we'll be finished, and you'll be glad. All right. Luke 6, 38, one of the finest promises in the Bible on giving. Read it out good and strong. This is from Jesus. Read it with me now. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. All right. Let's see what Paul had to say in Philippians 4.19. Read it with me. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Here we go. And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That verse is not long, but it is deep, all right? God wants you to be an obedient giver. And when you're faithful in your finances, it's just a test. God will be faithful to you. Amen? Let's thank God for being faithful to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day, and we just pray that you bless these sweet people who are here today. Touch their lives in Jesus' name. Amen.